Welcome to the Self Starter Show. I'm your host, Steve Clare, and on this show, you're gonna be hearing from entrepreneurs. You're gonna hear about their wins that got them where they are, their losses, and everything in between, as well as the advice that they have that helped them along the way. Along with bonus solo episodes of my personal secrets of life, success, and empathy sprinkled in for you, the listener, like chapters of a great book, each episode will provide you with a bit of a cheat code to success and happiness. Well, it's finally happened. After 20 plus years of working out and running, I finally found my favorite shoe ever. Yep, it's here. Two years ago, I swore off of Big Corp shoes. No Nike, no Adidas, no Reebok, no New Balance, no nothing. I just found this new small shoe brand out of Austin, Texas called Atreyu. That's A-T-R-E-Y-U.com. Atreyu comes in five different models, three colorways per model, and it is by far the greatest shoe I've ever worked out in. Whether hitting the pavement or working out at the gym, Atreyu is the best shoe I've ever worn. You can go find them online, and I will swear by them. And now, back to our show. All right, on this week of Self Starters, we have Joe Rotondo. Joe is a brand strategist, a brand enthusiast, and more importantly, he loves to work and build brands that are community-based. He's a runner, he's a motivator, most importantly, he's always locked in. Fair to say? That's it, baby. Stay locked in. Joe, it's mentality. Thanks for coming on the show today. Steve, thank you for having me. This what, is, are your, what are your thoughts on the, on the setup we got right now? You have brought me to my favorite pier in all of New York. One of actually one of my favorite places because when I come here and I look, like it makes me reflect on my time in New York and like what I've accomplished, what I've done, what I failed to do. But most importantly, like it brings up nostalgia, but also this, this uh, look to the future of like all what can of that be done. just here in pier three. Yeah. Right here, Pier I love three. that. You know that that's purely coincidence. Sometimes it's fate. That probably, like, that probably more so is fate. And obviously the reason I brought you here was because when I was, I wasn't scouting for somewhere for us to shoot, but I was on a run last week and I too was running the piers. And I was like, this is a fucking awesome spot for me and Joe to set up for the interview. It just goes to show I think, Steve, like your thoughtfulness, but also sort of how well you know me already. And we've been we've been friends for what, two months? Yeah. Right? And like our interactions have been in the gym, you know, and a couple outside of that, but it's mostly been the gym and it's passing conversation. But like in that passing conversation, we, we take the time to like talk it's not a passing like, hey how are you it's like hey like what's going on well there's a lot of people i know from, I, I obviously we're both in the gym every day and there's a lot of people we know in the gym but me and you also have connections outside of the gym we also have circles that intertwine and we also see value in each other totally and that's how i met you yeah from 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 the outer circle ring a mutual friend that brought us together chris i met chris through devin's inner circle and and I was, we were getting to know each other. I told him the gym I go to. He's like, oh, so funny. Like, one of my boys goes there as well. His name is Steve. He has a man bun. And I'm like, all right. Literally the next day, I'm like, I'm going to find 
the dude with the man bun, and I'm gonna go say what up. And like, we're doing bicep curls next to each other, and I literally dropped my weights and I went up to you, I'm like, hey, are you Steve? I'm like, obviously, because you have an S necklace and you have a man bun, you're like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, and I just introduced myself, and that, that was it. I think like, we were, before this, we were just talking about introductions. Yeah. So many people are afraid to introduce themselves, but like... Why do you think that is? I think people are afraid of being rejected, which is totally fair. Even not in like a relationship setting, just like introducing themselves yeah. to somebody at all. Who you vibe with, who you could potentially vibe with. Like we're attracted to ourselves, right? And what I mean by that is uh, the world is a mirror, you know? If I see a little bit of myself in somebody, like you have that attracti attract attractiveness to them. And like, there's so many people in the world where you come across like, oh, wow, I think I could be friends with that person. You know nothing about them, but they're too scared to say hello. But I think like showing up for yourself and getting out of your comfort zone and just like making the introduction and like look at like the friendship that we've cultivated just through, you know, one Chris saying, hey, like my, my friend goes to the same gym. My boy works out a lifetime yeah. double also. And then two, like having sort of the audacity and the balls to say what up to somebody, introduce yourself. Yeah, and it ends up we're both like-minded, not just in the sense of fitness, but also in life and work and what we both do. We're both branding people. We both like, we both like, we both love to help people. And I think one of the main goals for both of us is that the team wins. Mm -hmm. We're not me people, we're team people. Totally. So to piggyback on that, tell me what you're, what you're up to right now. What are you doing? Yeah, I've, I love building brands. I love it. I love going down the rabbit hole of an idea that comes from like, what's cool about this right now is like I loved, my, my type of date nowadays isn't going to a bar and getting drinks. It's like going to a park, sitting on a bench, grabbing a coffee, shooting the shit for a little bit. So like, this is that. And like, I, I love that. Are we on a date? I love, yes. I love that. This is now gonna be, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna refer to this as that going forward. Yeah, this is, this is like, this is the new date. Um, I love building brands and, and telling stories, creating something out of nothing is so fascinating to me. You know, when you're just sitting down, uh, getting a little bored, and letting thoughts come and go, no distractions, you know, either you're in nature or you're just sitting at home on your couch and just taking it all in. And, you know, ideas come from whether I'm consuming something or I see somebody doing a particular thing, wearing a particular thing, and then just like taking that, seeing an opportunity in that, and then you know, coming up with a name, coming up with a product, coming up with a, a marketing strategy. So is, I'm trying to think, because I don't want to talk about anything that we're, you're not allowed to talk about yet. Is there anything or what are you working on right now that you can talk about? For sure. Uh, there's there's a couple brands that I've started that I, I've, I'm working on. There's a, a golf lifestyle brand called The Greens. Uh, it's just, it's like, you know, one of those classic Instagram mood board brands that I've, during COVID, I'm a hobby guy. You know, I love novelty. I have an ADHD, so I'm always seeking novelty of things. So when I find something I maybe sort of like, I 
I give myself the go ahead to like fall in love with it. So with something like that, when do you fall out of love, out of love with it? So like with a lot of people, a lot of, with, mo, with, um, with most people, when you find this love for something, cause it's a, a new idea, kind of like a new relationship, yep. you start working on it, but then the fire kind of starts, the fire kind of starts like going out, going out. Yeah. How do you keep the fire going? And how much time do you give yourself to get this actually over the finish line? That's a great question. That's a great question. And that's something I'm learning more about myself is when I was younger, I, I was, you know, when you're young, you're naive, you have so much energy and I still do. Uh, so like being able to take things on, So when I was younger, I would jump from thing to thing to thing. But I've gotten better at picking my battles. Did you take anything for your ADHD? No, I'm so grateful that like, when my mom explains me when I was a kid, she just explains me as like, I was just a busy kid. <laughs> I was just busy, you know? And where'd you grow up? I grew up in Warwick, New York, just out like an hour north of the city. Okay. She explains me as a busy kid. And what, what does she mean by that? Like, I was always getting into trouble. I was always bothering my siblings. I, I like built my own world as a kid. Like I would go out in the yard in that dead heat of summer, wear a full baseball uniform, you know, with the fucking starter jacket, the hat, and I would pretend like I'm playing for the New York Yankees. Or I would wear a construction uniform because I used to see my dad, uh, you know, work around the house. And I used to wear like jeans, the Timberland boots and a fucking white turtleneck sweater with a denim jacket on top and like pretend I'm in construction. Or I would like pick up a guitar, pretend I'm a rock star. I was just a busy kid. And she like allowed me to explore that without, you know, putting me on medication. I'm like so grateful for that because I think it would have killed my creativity. Yeah. It would have killed my drive. It would have killed my curiosity, which at the end of the day, like gives me so much fuel to pursue ideas that I love and brands that I want to potentially build. So to answer your question about what I'm building, a couple lifestyle brands, but my latest venture right now is it's a couple months away from, from launch. Here it Uh, goes. Drum roll. It's in the new, it's in like the beginning phases. It's uh, it's high protein ice cream and it's called smear case. And to and to also answer your question of like, how do you know when to pursue something and how do you know when to like kill your babies? The conclusion that I'm coming to now, like within these past couple months is, does it align with my values? Does it fit into the lifestyle that I want to create for myself? Your high protein ice cream aligns with my lifestyle. Yes. And that's what's most important. Yes. Because when you told me about this the other day, I remember I walked into the gym and I came and I sat down and you're on a computer and I was like, so what are you working on? And you looked at me, you're like, I wanted to tell you about this when I had some product to put in your hand so I could tell you about it at the same time. All right, I'll tell you about it. So I'm working on a high protein ice cream. Can I say the rest? That's it for now. Okay. That's it for now. Okay. I want to keep the rest a secret. Uh, well, it's not really a secret, but there's like a lot that goes into building this that is what I'm learning. Yeah. I know 
very little about the ice cream industry, um, which is like part of the reason why I love like taking on challenges is because I love going down rabbit holes. I love doing market research. How many I, YouTube videos have you now watched on ice cream? Zero. I'm not a YouTuber. I'm a reader. I love reading. Like I will, I would rather read a transcript of something than watch something. That's just how I, that's how I like to learn. That's how I like to use my time. When I hear you say you go on a rabbit hole with things, I'm all like in my head, I'm assuming that you're on YouTube, just like video after video yeah. consuming. No, it's not a YouTube rabbit hole. I go on down very, very little YouTube rabbit holes. The only YouTube rabbit hole I'll go down is for Formula One. <laughs> Why? But the, the, because I love fucking Formula One. Okay. I think it's so sick. But Oh, like watching it? Yeah, watching okay. it. The rabbit holes I go down is like market research. Like I will read articles about, like right now I have 12 articles about Halo Top that I'm gonna dive into and learn how they did it. Because now, they, they, they were the original high protein ice cream. Got it, now a lot of these, um, cause when I think about articles on brands like that, I think that a lot of them are probably paid to play articles because that's what brands do sure. for you know their PR firms, especially a brand like Halo Top throws money into, all right, go get us into publications. We need press, we need press. So they're paying the play. So a lot of them are going to be positive articles. Are you able to find stuff that's kind of positive, kind of negative, yeah. kind of in the middle? Yeah. So what's interesting about Halo Top is that the articles is like, I'm getting a little bit of both. Let's move up a little closer to the mic just in case because these... Uh, Helicopters. The helicopters are really, really um, butt buzzing. And I'm getting a little bit of both, which is interesting, which is good. Like, I want to hear the backlash and the criticism of how, like, of what went wrong for them, but also why they succeeded and just take those learnings and how I can apply to it. How could I apply that to what I'm building? So, right now, what was the number one takeaway of why Halo Top succeeded and number one? Uh, negative thing that people have to say about Halo Top. It's novelty. People love novelty. I love novelty. I seek out novelty. I need something new and exciting and like foreign for me to like really grab onto it and like one to learn about it. I love learning. I love like I'm a generalist. I know I know a little about a lot and I like it like that. Like I take that sort of way of thinking and I apply it to business. Because as like an entrepreneur, you need to know every single component of your business. So something I'm educating myself on now is the financial side of, of business. It's something I never wanted to pay attention to. And I think it's, it's, it's how I've gotten burned in the past. So now it's like, all right, how can I feed that a little bit more right now? So I can like well equip myself to win Right, like I know that I'm creative, I know I love ideas, and I know I love building brands, right? But like, how can I complement myself with where I'm at now? I'm not at the point where I can hire for my weaknesses, which I, I'm excited to do, but like, I'm trying to be a well-built machine and just be a fucking lethal weapon. So when I go to build and launch something, like I'm just well-prepared for battle. And I was, so I was. You just gave me a great idea. I can't wait to talk to you about it after. Let's go. After the camera's off. We'll talk about it in the sauna. I yeah. I I'm I'm not gonna forget this one, but I'm. I'm so I was so excited. I was so. Ex this is like my per first public announcement talking about this this idea and brand, and I was like so excited to like 
use this opportunity to announce it because it's called the self starter show yep and i'm a self fucking starter yep and i love like the platform you've built and the community that you're building because i think we need more self starters in the world i seek that out and like people i like to mentor if you have that grit if you have that drive if you have that hunger to go after whatever it is like self-starter doesn't mean like you're an entrepreneur in my mind self-starter doesn't mean you're you're starting a business launching a business self-starter in my mind is like there is something out there that you want to go after and you go after it whether it's running a marathon whether it's getting the dream job you want you know whether it's you know it's it's fighting for yourself and being selfish over your goals because you need that for you. 100%. When people ask me, like, so who do you interview? I don't say I interview self-starters. I say interview doers. I interview people who are doing shit. I interview people who have a passion and they go ahead and they do it instead of thinking about it. Not necessarily like you said, starting a business, but in your case, that's what it is. But just someone who is doing it. Totally. So, how'd this all begin? Uh, when did your passion for branding start? And how did you first get your first job doing that? When did you start doing that? Were you at a company? And when did you ultimately leave the company? Give me the origin. Yeah, that's a great question. That's something I think about a lot. Is like, I've been... I've been really trying to reflect on my childhood and pinpoint it to like an you early child. No, I'm one of four. I've, I'm an older sister. I'm the second oldest. I have a younger sister and then a younger brother. Don't ask me their ages because I won't tell you. Mostly because I don't know. <laughs> but I've been trying to really pinpoint a time in my childhood where like it was the aha moment. And I've, I've been struggling to find it. But like I said before, you know, as a kid, I was so busy. I was living in my own world, you know, creating like different identities for myself. I'm a true Gemini with ADHD. I have multiple personas. I've lived like so many lives already. And I've explored like every facet of myself imaginable in my 20s. And like I took risk on thing like if I had an idea I went after it I didn't want that idea just to live in my head I wanted to get it out on paper and I wanted to like bring it to fruition and I just wanted to see something through until like the very very end until it like didn't make sense anymore um, just like going through that process of like starting building launching is like so invigorating to me so you know, in terms of childhood. Let's fast forward from that. Yeah. Because we know you were a curious kid. Yep. Where'd you go to college? I went to college at University of Rhode Island. Hey, because, go uh, Rams. Yeah, roadie roadie. You went to Rhode Island. I did not know that. Yes, Narragansett. I lived in Narragansett. I wanted to go to Rhode Island. Did you Island. surf while you were there? I did not. I swam. Okay. But I wanted to go to Rhode Island because I wanted to be near the beach. That's why I asked if you surfed. Yeah. And I, like, just as, a, like, growing up, I just, we always went to the beach every year. I love just being on the beach, looking at the water, being in the sands. I love swimming, you know, and, and University of Rhode Island offered that. So I, 
it offered that close by where yes. you used to go to school in California yep. or Florida. It was it was a three hour drive from where I grew up, yep. so it was accessible but far enough where there was some distance. And you know, try telling a, an eighteen year this this is like so mind blowing to me. The concept of college, like tell your eighteen year old self to choose a career that you need to pursue and study for the next four years. And it was at a time where everyone was like, oh, follow your dreams, follow your passion. All I knew was sports. I was super active. I loved, I loved all sports. So in your mind, what was your passion at the time? So when I was graduating high school, it was like, I loved camaraderie. I loved being on a team and I loved being active. So I was like, okay, let me go study exercise science. So I go, I, I, I'm, I'm in exercise, I join the swim team, I'm studying exercise science, and this is where the novelty comes in. You know, at the end of, at the end of freshman year, like I was always a fashionable, I always like really cared about my appearance. I love, like my mom used to take me sh- back to school shopping every year to get a new wardrobe which I'm so grateful for because like I, I was so particular in the stores I wanted to shop at and I was very particular. Were your siblings like that also? Not so much. Well, what was your relationship with your siblings growing up? I, we fought a lot, which I'm like, I, which I regret, but like, um, we also like, again, going back to smear case, we also bonded in the kitchen and over food. I grew up in an Italian household so my dad was always like cooking um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He was a stay-at-home dad, but he was also always teaching us like how to cook and how to prepare a meal and how to deliver the best like food experience. And through that, and through that Italian, you know, the Italian way I was raised, we bonded over food. And it was our lab. The kitchen was our lab to experiment and uh and so just, it's like, kind to get to of know each other. serendipitous that you now have your current high passion is for growing a food brand because not just a food brand but a sweet food brand from your sweet the sweet food brand that kind of was the glue that brought your family together as a child is now we'll call it the glue that's bringing everything going on in your life together right now yes and that's again like go back to values based is like i love my family i love being creative and i love like being driven and ambitious so it's like how can i take all those values of mine and like put it into uh into something i want to pursue you know as i reflect it just makes so much sense right so that's how you know like when to pursue something if like when you have the conviction and what it means is like is your why like why are you doing this right it's like growing up i was more savory than sweet i didn't really you know fuck with dessert that much but i did love fucking ice cream i loved ice cream i loved like man i love a vanilla soft serve and a waffle cone with uh, rainbow sprinkles amen. that is my go-to you and me both that's like that's all i need in terms of dessert but all right, go, so you go to Rhode Island. Yes, I go to Rhode Island. And you're go, of, and you're, but like, what's your, you're studying? I'm studying exercise science, kinesiology. Okay. And then like freshman year ends, I enjoy the summer. I lifeguard 
um, at a local lake. And then I come back for sophomore year. Me and my buddies were living in a beach house and like, I'm getting more comfortable with myself, right? With the freedom more that college. Yeah, like with the, like more comfortable, like more confident in like who I was, what I wanted to do with my life. Just like having that freedom that college sort of provided just helps you open up as a person. So again, the more I was thinking about like who I was, I was like, shit, man, like I, I love fashion, you know? And I was like, wow, like, I think it'd be sort of cool to design sports jerseys, you know? Cause I loved like playing Madden. I love choosing my jerseys, making my own jersey, playing video games. So is this when business number one got birth? Yes. Let's hear about it. So literally I woke up and I changed my major. I didn't tell my parents. Good. I just straight up changed my major. I went to my uh, advisor at the time. I said, hey, like, what classes do I need to take if I want to design sports uniforms? And they're like, well, you're in the wrong major. So literally the next day I changed my major to apparel design. That was a major? Yes, I was fortunate enough that URI had an apparel design program at a public school. So it wasn't an art school, which I was very happy that I went to a public school versus a private art school. Because that's like the type of person I am. Um, I am artistic and creative, but also value like having the freedom of, of like not a super rigorous program. So that's when I started getting more into the fashion side of things. The fashion side of things, but more so not just that, more into the branding yeah. side of things and the actual uh, being somewhere where you're going to being having your hands on something where you're actually going to be building something. Yes. Versus your other major where you were just going to be around. Right. If that makes sense. It, it does make sense. I, yes. Yeah, so like what skills did I need to equip myself with in order to build what I wanted to build? And to me, that was like, I have to learn how to create clothes if I want to pursue at the time it was like sports uniforms, but then that quickly developed into like a clothing brand. And so by the end of, what was the name of the clothing brand? By the end of junior year, <laughs> wait, by the end of junior year, I was diving into like vintage Ralph Lauren polo, like fucking super Americana. Cause that's like the pinnacle of fashion to me. And I studied abroad in Italy, in Florence, Italy, where I learned how to tailor suits. And there was a project of pretty much like do a case study on a brand or make a fictitious brand and like come up with a marketing plan around it. And I, that was like the first time I had a project like that and I went fucking all in. That sounds awesome. I was obsessed. I'd love to do that now. Yes, it was, it was such a great opportunity. So in Italy, I spent a lot of time by myself, which I was very grateful for. I would take super long walks and just like allow myself to think. Like I wanted to find who I was, like where my roots came from. To me, it was like it was a it was a journey of self-reflection to find myself in Italy. So as I'm on this walk and I'm thinking about this project, I was like, well, shit, like, what if I just made my own clothing brand? And then I was like, OK, like if, I, if that's what I want to do, like I obviously need to come up with a name. And uh, a name that's super close to me and my family is Rocco. 
My grandfather's name is Rocco. My uncle's call name, he was in the Navy. He was a Navy, Navy, Navy pilot. His call name was Rocco. I was like, okay, my middle name's Rocco. Like, how about Rocky? I was like, okay, interesting, like Rocky. I don't think that's enough. And then like, man, I got, I was so homesick in Italy and like, I missed my parents, I missed my family, but the thing I missed most was my dog. I'm assuming your dog's name is Clark. And my dog's name is Clark. And I was like, holy shit, Rocky Clark. I was like, I'm getting, I'm actually getting chills right now. Uh, because like that name was so personal to me and it made so much sense and it was so strong sounding. I was like, damn, Rocky Clark. Like that's, I fuck with that. Like that's a fucking sweet name. And it was like, it was like sort of fictitious right but it made so much sense it just made so much sense personally and like that's the type of person i am like i need to be so emotionally attached to the why of things in order for me to pursue it so rocky clark here i have rocky clark i'm like wow that's fucking cool i got sweet i'm learning how to tailor suits you know i'm coming up with this marketing strategy of rocky clark and i came up with this story about like a man and his dog hiking through Montana into the woods, into the wilderness with mountains, right? And like, in my mind, it was like Americana. Like, like I was super deep into vintage Ralph Lauren polo ads and just like this whole sort of story of like Western America. I was obsessed with the aesthetic. I was obsessed with the storytelling that Ralph sort of uh, portrayed I was like interesting like that's really cool and so I go back to the to the states I'm back I'm a fucking new person like I grow out my hair so you're new so while you were in Italy you came up with Rocky Clark from Italy back to the states what had you done to start building the brand literally fucking everything go on again I love rabbit holes and I was at a point in my life where I was alone. I created a lot of space for myself. I created a lot of distance from other people because I wanted to find like who I was, what drove me, you know? I wanted to find my inner motive. So I wanted to find myself. So throughout that, like I had so much time and space to fucking go down rabbit holes and think about stories and think about the aesthetic and think about, you know, what this is. So I had done like really the brand storytelling. I was putting together mood boards of what the the vibe was. So I did a lot of work. I hit up, you know, my best friend, Rob. And what year was all this going on? This was uh, like 2015. Okay. Uh, I hit up my best friend, Rob, who is a graphic designer, told him, and he's like, he's pretty much my go-to person when I have a new idea. So, but when did, when did you make the first pieces? Right, so we get it. We he designed this logo of a dog head. It's on the hat. This is I'm wearing the hat now. Yep. And to me, like once he designed that, I was like, holy shit! Like this is becoming even more real. I feel like the dog head was such a powerful uh, logo. It was timeless. It was classic. It was relatable. It was bold and strong. So once we had that logo, we we started making like some like graphic tees, and like I don't even want to think about what they look like because they're so embarrassing and they're so early. Like as, a, as an artist, you have to like create so much garbage to find the gold. But I was like so willing to go through that process. 
I was like so naive and so enthusiastic. Like I didn't care if what I put out wasn't my best work because I knew my best work was ahead. I knew yeah, I had to- Yeah, dude, you gotta just do. A yes. lot of people, being in the industry that I'm in and just like advising as many people on a lot of it on social media, yep. I see a lot of people, they just don't put anything out yep. because they don't think it's good enough and they wait right. and they wait and they wait and they're like, is this content good enough? And they work three weeks on something to eventually maybe put it out. Yeah. And then they put another, wait another three weeks to maybe put it out. When you just gotta, you just gotta keep doing, you just gotta yeah. start doing. And if anything, especially with a clothing brand and you saw it firsthand, putting out those first iterations is the best. Yes. Cause it's, you put it out and now it's physical and now you can see what you like and you don't like, and then you can change it. Right. And you just build from there. Right. If you're waiting for something to be perfect, It'll You'll never be happen. Forever. You'll be waiting forever. forever. If you're waiting, like to figure it out, you're gonna be waiting forever. I've submitted to the fact that I will be figuring it out for the rest of my life, and the day I have it figured out is the day I'm fucking dead, and I'm very okay with that. I'm very okay with that, and I'll su and I submit to the process, and I'm submitting to the journey of my like unique journey. Um, so I was just so excited to like get things out. I was so excited to learn. How so tell, to but do tell it. us more about the production because yeah. I wanna I wanna get I wanna deep dive about it. I don't wanna yeah. like pussy, I don't wanna push totally. foot around what you were building. You built this. You were you started making teas. Yep. When did it start to grow? When did it start to fall? Yeah. So our first break. Give us some juice. Our first break was. Uh, Again, I was pursuing this with, with my friend Rob and, and he put me onto this podcast called Dissect. Cause I've seen some great articles, I, I, at least one, maybe two or three great articles about Rocky Clark. Yeah, it was like, we, we fucking built something and it was super exciting. Let's fucking hear so about it. So we, he, he sends me this podcast called Dissect and it was the very first episode of this podcast. And it was about Kendrick Lamar's Mad City. And like, that's how we bonded over music. And, uh, so I was like, shit, this is really cool. And then his next season was, uh, I think, Kendrick. So then I hit him up. I'm like, hey, man, like, I would love to work with you. I would love to, like, make merch for your podcast. And he said, okay, like, awesome. Like, the next season is going to be Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And if you don't know Dissect, he essentially breaks down music and the meaning behind it. So I'm like, holy shit. Like, I fucking love this album. So yeah. we used this opportunity and we created a t-shirt and a hat for this podcast. And that fucking like did so incredibly well. We donated all profits to Donda's house, the, uh, Kanye's charity at the time. And like, we made a beautiful fucking product. Like, so you got your big break. You made a bunch of money and you donated all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I felt like if I was going to go into business with the sole pursuit of it benefiting me, that just wasn't going to work. That wasn't aligned. That didn't align with my values. So I knew that if I was going to start a brand, it had to be sustainable, you know, use like environmentally friendly. It had to be charitable. 
in the sense of like we donate to charity a portion of sales go to charity and it had to be like community based and you know community based meaning it, it had to be more about the clothing it had to be you know people sharing similar values and passions but like i also wanted to make it locally in my backyard right fucking here so as the brand grew as i learned more about how to create clothing um i as a tall skinny guy i had so much trouble finding jeans that fit and that pissed me off because i was so i had such a discerning eye around the clothes i was adorning myself with so when i would go shopping i would leave frustrated i'm like i just don't understand how i'm not finding what i want so it's like shit like i have the skills to create exactly what i want so post college and a little bit in college i set out to make my ideal perfect pair of jeans and what did that mean they had to be sustainable meaning they had to be long lasting and they had to be made from organic cotton or hemp material they had to be made in the usa and they had to fit my aesthetic. And my aesthetic is, you know, both my grandfathers were were war veterans in World War II and the Korean War. Um, vintage Ralph, that Americana design. So I took all these inspirations and fused it into a gene that checked all those boxes. And post-graduation, at night, I'm making bagels for my dad at his date at his deli and during the day i'm waking up and i'm fucking in my parents basement in the lab experimenting and like making a pair of jeans so throughout that process like i made a first pair of jeans and you know i would i would just wear them all the time if i was going out in new york to hang out with friends i would wear my jeans and people started coming like, yo dude like where did you get those jeans like i've never seen anything like that before and I'm like, well, shit, I made them. And they're like, well, can you make me a pair? And I was like, well, okay. I'm like, sure. It cost to make one pair. At the time, it was, it was like, I didn't cut any fucking corners. I was getting top-notch denim. I was using a top-notch factory that made designer denim in the 90s. And this was before before you did the, the clothing line for the for the podcast? This was after. Okay, so this was after. So this is a progression of the of the brand. Oh, got it, got it. So this is in, this is 2016, 2017, where I arrived on uh, the first pair of jeans. And I had an internship at a fashion uh, company in the city. What company? I, uh, I, I don't even know the name of it. It was sort of fucking whack, to be honest. Uh -huh. And like, that's when I knew, like, I don't want to be in fashion. I want to be in clothing big difference in my eyes okay. um the fashion industry is sort of taxing it's very superficial especially in new york it's very grinding like they'll chew you up and spit you out as like an intern but i'm so grateful for the opportunity because i met contacts that i still talk to today that's where i found my denim supplier for the fabric that's where i found my manufacturer for my jeans well, I was literally at his factory yesterday working on a special project. And so I took this idea to him and I said, hey, could you like, not only help me make this, but could you help me make it better? 
So the factory I use is, is literally a block away from Madison Square Garden. I could see it out their window. And like, to me, that was like, holy shit. Like, this is so fucking New York. Yeah. This is so fucking cool. And he helped me really blossom this brand and like sort of perfect my jeans. And uh, so I knew I had a product that I loved. I knew I had like all the pieces to make it. So that's when I set out to raise money via Kickstarter. And I raised enough money to create a hundred pairs of jeans. What were you offering people on Kickstarter? I was offering people during the tiers. Um, it was either a hat as at a lower tier or at the higher tiers, it was an actual pair of jeans from the uh, run of 100. So we successfully raised the money and then it was go time. Like it was literally me just being like, I was ready to pull the trigger and I, and I did. And it was just like, I was getting denim shipped to my little apartment in Bushwick and I would have, it's like 200 pounds of denim. So I had to take that. I had to bring it to the factory. It was super scrappy. I'm on the subway with a roll of fabric, right? And so it took, took like a month to make these pair of jeans and um, we finish up a hundred pairs of jeans, you know, like around half of them got sent out for Kickstarter. And then I had the other half to sell off, um, give to influencers and, and, and whatnot. And that was our, like our very first product that I'm like super proud of. It's my go-to pair of jeans that I still wear today. And it's just like, like, how did I do it? It was just like being resourceful, learning how to network, learning how to build relationships, right? Those like skills, you know, there's no playbook to how it's done, but it's a culmination of like people wanting to help you and just being super scrappy to get it done. So this was now five, six years ago. Yeah. So why isn't Rocky Clark in Kith right now? What ha like what's going on with Rocky Clark? That's that's a what that's, happened in the last five years. That's a great question. So we we released the jeans like a week before COVID hit. When you say release the jeans, did you make X amount of pairs? Did you have back stock? So we had like we had fifty pairs to sell. That you spent how much money to make? We, from the Kickstarter, we raised like $6,000 to make. And put how much of your own money into it? I put like, I put a decent amount of my own money in. 10 grand, 20 grand? Like 50 grand? Over 50 grand. So you put over 50 grand of your own money. Yep. You make product. Yep. It comes out February, 2020. Yep. March comes. Yep. It's locked down. Nobody's wearing jeans inside. No, and they didn't have elastic, no. elastic waist, right? So it was tough and it was tough. It was, it was, it was just bad timing, out of my control. Um, How excited were you building up to February 2020 when you're finally, uh, after now six years, six years of building Rocky Clark, yeah. you've now put your biggest investment of over 50 grand of your own money into it on top of the money that you've raised from hundreds of other people. Yep. And then COVID hits. Yeah. And everything is... Poof, push to the side. I think like, I, reflecting back, I wasn't too uh, saddened because to me it was already a success. Well, what'd you do with all the product? It eventually sold off. 
throughout 2020, just like being very scrappy, um, building the brand. And then in 2021, we put out another collection. We had it, we, we built a denim jacket, the hats and a hoodie. Those sold very well. But then it got to the point where like, again, this was years, this is a couple years ago. So I was, I'm a much different person than I was then. I was overworking myself, burning myself out. It was really like, it was, it was mostly me. It was, the risk was on me. A lot of the brand building and the operations were on me. And I, I just couldn't. Is it because you weren't delegating all the, all the responsibility? And, yeah. And you were just, or, or because you're a perfectionist to an extent and you don't want someone else to be doing something because you want it done your way. I think that was part of it. Like I was, I had a very specific vision for what I wanted the brand to be. I think I just wore myself out. I was so close to it and I wasn't seeing the return that I wanted. And I wasn't really willing to, I wasn't really willing to make uh, like hoodies and sweatpants. Like I didn't want to stray away from denim. And I think that stubbornness was really like the fatal flaw. Well, I guess because you have, and while Ralph Lauren does make sweats, you had uh, the fuel that you know, kind of started your fire uh, and gave you all their, your inspiration was not that part of Ralph's brand. It was a lot of it, the denim aspect, the luxury aspect, yeah. and the all American aspect, yep. which is not sweats. It's the denim, uh, the the relatively high-end fashion. And that's why you didn't want to stray because you didn't want to go away from your identity. Yeah, yeah, Rocky Clark, like people knew Rocky Clark as a denim brand. And I was so proud of that because again, like we were using the finest Italian denim that was sustainably made. I was using the like the best denim factory and like I wasn't willing to cut corners, you know? So the jeans were expensive to make, but as a new brand, I knew I had to sort of sell them a little less than I had hoped for just to build the brand. Um, but yeah, Rocky Car got to the point where I, I no longer found the drive to create for it. So there you go. Yeah, it was. It's I, still not dead. It's not dead. It's not dead. It's there. But you're now able to take that energy and put it in elsewhere. Now, you're a guy who has endorphins running through your body while you're sleeping. You are one of the most positive people I know. And you're always locked in. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, one on Rocky Clark, like that was my experimentation. Like I use that as a vessel to learn, learn how to build a brand, learn how to be an entrepreneur, you know? So I used it as like school after college. Would you say you learn more from building Rocky Clark 100%. than you did in four years at 100%, college? A thousand percent, a thousand percent. You know, my, my level of drive just wasn't being matched in college. How do you feel about kids going to college these days? I think you have a kid. Yeah. Not yet. I know you don't have a kid. When you do have a kid, do you think you're going to push in the this is, go, go yeah, to college? There's something I think about a lot. Do you have the this conversation with your girlfriend? I do. Yeah. 
and where I'm at is like college gave me a great opportunity. But if I had, if, you know, I went to college in 2012 where most of the people in my high school went to college. It was follow your dreams, follow your passion, right? But now the opportunities to kids is like, has grown exponentially. Yep. You know, I just fucking said something today. Like we live in a time now where you can live as a professional athlete and a, a fucking rock star, which I wanted to be all my life. The pro- an athlete or a rock star? Both. I told myself, like, if I couldn't be a professional athlete or if I couldn't be a rock star, like, I was going to make the clothes that they wore. Okay. That was, like, my drive. Um, but now, like, there's opportunities to live that life, even though it's not, you're not playing the NBA, like, you can still be a professional athlete outside of, like, organized professional sports. Like, that lifestyle is still possible through content creation, entrepreneurship, right? So, like, school didn't work for me. When I was in high school, school didn't work for me. I got shitty grades. College didn't really work for me. I got shitty grades. You know, I have enough discipline and structure over myself. I don't need an outside source to bring that to me. I, I just didn't, like, it's a, it's a damn shame that the school system, it just doesn't work for everybody, and that's okay. No, so, but, so let's go back to the question. When you have a child... Do you think you're going to encourage your kid to go to college? I'm going to encourage my kid to, like, I want to provide an environment for them so they can blossom and thrive doing whatever they, like, just truly love to do in the essence of their bones. So we put, I put away money uh, every month. It's for a college fund, which I'm not, uh, I don't care for that much. I think it's called a 529 program. And uh, they've changed it recently where when the child is old enough, that money now not necessarily has to go to college, but it could it just goes to education. Okay. And that's a vehicle that we're, we're raising money for Seymour. Yep. I also started what I'm calling an entrepreneur fund, which is just a separate account uh, where, you know, let's say for his birthday in August, we got X amount of money. Let's call it, let's say we got $100. I'm putting half of that into his college and half into his entrepreneur fund. Mm-hmm, what is that? that? When he turns 10, he'll be able to bring me ideas. Right. So if he's 10 years old, he brings me a good business idea, I'll fund it. I love that. With his, with his money that's been accruing interest for, you know, eight, nine, 10 plus year, right. or eight, nine, 10 years. If it's, if I don't agree with the business, I'll, I'll think about it, but. You're a if, board member. Yeah, I'm a board member. If he brings me a good business idea anytime from 10, on mm-hmm. he's got to start a fund from it i love that i love that and i'm gonna steal that go ahead that's how i feel about like the school system in general and college like if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer you have to go to school it's actually a great program that it's a good business idea like for a child like to to create this on this uh entrepreneur fund for your child that they can touch not when they're 18 yeah. but when they're 10 yeah so, I, so when I go back, when I think about, you know, are you born or are you made, right, as an entrepreneur? I think I was born because for Christmas, my my parents got me or Santa got me a bucket of of uh, double bubble bubble gum because I love I love playing baseball. And you fucking went and you sold it. You damn fucking right. 
I sold a piece for 25 cents each on the bus and I made a fucking killing. I come home with a bag of change and cash and my mom's like, where'd you get all that? And I said, oh, like, you remember that Christmas gift you got me? Like, I fucking sold that shit. Yeah. You think I was going to eat all that bubble gum? That like, was I was, like, hu- I was out there hustling. When I was, when I was like, when I was 10, and this is why I thought like, all right, 10 is like the good age. Yeah. When I was like nine, 10 years old. That's how old I was. I go to after school daycare yep. with a grocery bag of candy. Yep. Whether it was Blow Pops, Jolly Ranchers, and I would sell them depending on the candy. They would be anywhere from, anywhere from 25 cents to a dollar. Yeah. That was when I was nine, 10 years old. Fast forward to sleepaway camp. I'm 13 years old. I had a George Foreman grill in my cabin and I would take, I would steal bread and cheese from the kitchen Let's go. and I was making grilled cheese yeah. at night while, while we were in the cabin. I would make grilled cheese on the foreman and I would go to the bunks around us selling a grilled cheese and a soda for 10 bucks. Yeah. And I think like when you're a kid <laughs> doing that, you're not thinking about the money. Like I, I really, I really wasn't thinking about the money. It was more of like a kid looked at me and said, Hey, well, I could have a piece of gum. And I was like, well, one, I don't really know you. So I'm not just going to give you a piece of gum. But like, how can we trade? I feel like Joe now would give someone a piece of gum. Now, me now. Yes. I, I would love to give anybody <laughs> a piece of gum, but as a kid, you're like, well, like, what do I get out of this for giving you a piece of gum? It was more about like a transaction. It wasn't like, I wasn't you know, like, I wasn't looking to fucking get rich off of selling gum. It was more of like a game. Right. And like, I'm trying to like inject that childlike curiosity into what I'm doing now. Because again, like what you love doing as a kid is what you like truly the essence and the authentic, the authenticity of who you are. It's like, how can you inject that into your adulthood? Um, so it wasn't about the money. It was like more about like the hustle and like the grind about like, all right, like it's, it's, it's mostly a game. That's what business is, it's a game. So you take that fire, Rocky Clark is not dead. It's not dead, but you also need to know when to kill your babies. Or right, put it on pause. Put it on pause, but like it's not it's not dead, but like no. it's, it's there. And kind of like with me with Endoban. Yeah. Like it's not dead, but like it's there. It's on pause. And while I like, you know, I dumbed down dumbed down. I uh, I scaled back the, the e-com aspect of the business and we're only doing private labeling. It's still there. Yes. And Rocky Clark is still there. I think that you have a very, very, very big head of steam behind your protein ice cream. Why didn't you think about naming your protein ice cream Rocky Clark? So what I want to do with Rocky Clark is, is you know, eventually put it into a, a, a holding company, turn it into a holding company of like where I can just create. Oh, kind of like a, a personal incubator. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's like how like that's that's kind of how your mind works. Yeah, yeah. It's like how can I spread tentacles of my mind across different avenues of brands like i didn't want to be known i think uh, like one of the other reasons I, I sort of wanted to step away is like i didn't want to put i didn't want to be in a box that i couldn't get out of you know what i'm saying like i didn't want to be known as the denim guy and for so long like when i was out of college i was like wow like i'm so lucky that like i know what i want to do for the rest of my life and that's rocky clark I identified so hard with it. People knew me as Rocky Clark. Like people would would call me Rocky, <laughs> right? Like I was so tied to it. And I think like I just had to create some distance away from it to like learn more about myself, learn war- more about what I love and like 
while I do love fashion, like I'm more obsessed with building brands and creating stories than I love fashion, you know? And I wanted to explore other facets of my creativity. Amazing. And let's see, right now we're in, uh, we're in late September, early October. Uh, we're going to have, we're going to have, you're going to have a successful ice cream brand that's going to fucking change the world. Thank you. That's by, the plan. By next summer. That's the plan. Yeah. It's beta test after beta test. Yeah. But from what, from where you're at with the building of it, uh, the brand's fantastic. The concept's fantastic. I just need to taste it. You do need to taste it. I just it. need to taste it. I'm, I'm, my, so my sister makes it all. Yeah. She's like, I think we got to bring it in house. The most incredible baker and mathematician. Yeah. She obsesses. I think we got to, I know she lives 10 minutes from you. She but was very you gotta, close. You got to bring it in house. Yeah. So you both could be I, doing I, it. I worked her pretty hard. She made a lot of ice cream these past couple of weeks. She needed a break. She needed a mental, she needed a reset. So I was like, all right, like, I really did want to bring ice cream on the show. I really did. And I'm sorry that I don't have it. There'll be a time to taste it. I kid you not, like, man, it's so fucking good. It is so fucking good. And it would be so selfish of me to not share it. And that's how, like- With the world. With the world, yeah. And like, I think that's about, like, as an artist, you're obligated to share your work. You're obligated to share your work because it it does bring value to others you know and it you're going to have to create a lot to find uh you know what you're good at and to get to that really good work but it, you have to get your reps in you have to get your reps in and you've you, done that for the last 10 years now yeah and i was brave enough to to get my reps in i was brave enough to fucking you know transform myself and like go down every rabbit hole and like give myself the time and space yeah it's 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 like exhausting but like i didn't want to live with any regret of like oh i could have done this i could have done that it's like let me try it and you won't and i see the passion you have behind this it's fucking awesome yeah thanks dude what uh how do i stay so positive and locked in no yeah yeah other than other than the fact that you just have you, you run and you work out and you eat healthy and you just have this positive mindset how? How? You know what it is? It's like part of it is honestly, this is me being vulnerable. Like part of it is is, is compensation. Compensation? I'm fucking human, dude. I get anxious as fuck. I doubt myself multiple times a day. You'd never know. There are times when I want to fucking quit and just fucking... You know, if you ever feel like you want to quit, you call me. Yeah, you know that. Well, that I built a support system that won't allow me to because I'm obligated to you. Like I need to deliver, right? But like, again, my time in Italy of being alone all the time, like, all this, this I've had so many ventures and I've done so much, but at the baseline has always been health and wellness and fitness, and health to me is eating right, working out, but also training your mind. So I like to say like, I'm a disciple of Lewis Howes, Gary V, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss. Like I studied all these people who master their mindset 
right? So all the while, like entrepreneurship is a lonely, tough game. You need to sharpen your mind as you get your reps in. And I fucking love personal development and mindset mastery. So speaking of which, what's one book that you would recommend to anybody? I just finished it and it's the Bible of personal development. It's called Awaken the Giant Within by Anthony Robbins. He went by Anthony at the time. It's from the 90s. This is the Bible. It's the original source. It's the Bible. Like I'm, I'm actually convinced it's the Bible. You read this book and you, and like this is where all coaches get their intel. You know, it's how you really unlock the mind and like how we, it's really learning how us as humans operate. You have the physical copy, obviously. I, do have the physical. I need to borrow I it. I found it. I found I found it on a stoop. Oh. And I saw it and I was like, holy shit. It was at a pivotal time. And it was just like such a godsend. But how am I so positive and like locked in all the time? It's because I get my reps in. It's because like I too battle with anxiety and I get into funks, right? It's like, how do I get myself out? I have to train, I know I need to train my mind. And like, it's gotten to the point where I could just snap my fingers and a flip switches. If I get into a negative thought pattern, I could snap my fingers and be like, this this is just silly. You know, it's not me uh, undermining my thoughts, feelings, and emotions, but it's me just getting myself in a state of mind where like, I'm starting to produce energy. Do you implement any breath work? I do breath work, uh, not as often as I'd like to, but there are like, being in the sauna, breathing, meditating, you know, tapping into the breath while I run. That's a huge tool for my toolbox that I use. Um, journaling, you know, you name it, I've done it. I think it's like right now, <laughs> we live in a world of a menu, right? And not one of those menus that are small, you know, at a fine dining restaurant where you have maybe three choices. Yeah, you're talking about at a fucking diner. Yes, exactly. We live in a world of a diner menu where there's so much out there you know, this human optimization wave is like fucking ripping right now, but it's a menu. You choose what works for you and you implement that into your life, you know, based around your values and what works for you, right? So that's what sort of I've done with all these people, all these uh, creators out there is like, I'm I'm looking at the menu, I'm like, all right, this, that actually sounds pretty good. I'll have, I'll have that. Uh, as an app, I'll have this as a dinner and for dessert, like I'll have high protein ice cream. That's what's up. You know what I mean? So all that put together in a ball, give me one word of advice for anyone trying to make it. I think it's conviction. It's like undeniable conviction, conviction in your vision uh, conviction in, you know, not being afraid or embarrassed to create or do shit. It's like, like true, con undeniable, selfish conviction in yourself. You know, when I know I'm, when I'm my best self, I can be my best self for others. And that is because I have true conviction in my talents and my skill set and in myself, right? I can look at myself in the mirror and be like, fuck, man, like, I'm fucking so proud of you. And to me, that's just like, to put it into one word, it's conviction. My dude. Steve, thank you, dude. That was awesome. So throw a date on here. When you think that protein ice cream, give me the name again. 
Smear case. Smear case. When do we want smear case to hit the world? 2024, like early 2024 is what I'm Early 2024. That's yeah. ambitious. Yeah, it, I'm ambitious uh, motherfucker. All right. Early 2024. Early 2024 for like more of a mass rollout. Like I'm working my ass off to we're making it ourselves because that's like that's my family, dude. We do shit. Yep. We work with our hands. We're like, we we're, we get in the lab and we experiment. And my sister makes the best creations in the world. Smear case. Smear case. Rocky Clark. Rocky Clark. Joe Rotondo. Yes, sir. Locked in. Stay locked in, baby. Let's go.